Welcome to Dr. Me First. I'm your colleague in medicine and coach in life, Dr. Erin Wiseman. This podcast is all about learning to take care of yourself, your life, and your practice. Are you ready? Let's go. from a life of burnout, brokenness, and despair to one that is joy-filled, sustainable, and that you absolutely freaking love. Today's episode, I'm talking with Dr. Michelle Mudge-Riley, and her word is hope, one of my absolute favorite ones. So I'm so glad to share her message and her story with you, to share her word, and then also share the transformational work that she's doing with physicians helping physicians. So get into this conversation and then stick around afterwards for that little kick of encouragement. Here we go. Welcome to Dr. Me First, Dr. Michelle Mudge-Riley. It's so great to have you on the podcast with me today. Yeah, I am so excited too. This is going to be great. Yeah, so tell all of our listeners who you are, what you're about, and all that goodness. (laughs) Wow, so you want me to talk for the next hour. I'm just (laughs) kidding. Um, (laughs) No, I'm an introvert, so this will take like two minutes. No, I'll I'll do for real. Um, (laughs) I am a pathologist by training. I thought I wanted to be a practicing physician um, early on in my career. In fourth grade, I told my dad I wanted to be a doctor, and of course, he was like, "Oh, that sounds amazing! I great, do it!" And uh, you know, then everyone proceeded to tell me that was going to be the best thing ever, and so. When you're growing up as a female um, and you're struggling with confidence anyway, um, you're like, wow, this is set. I'm going to be a doctor. Awesome. Plus, school came easy to me. I mean, it was like super easy. My life was planned out by like elementary school. Um, but it didn't quite go that way, um, as most people's lives do not. So um, I went to college um, and I did get right into medical school, although my uh, grades were not that awesome and neither were my MCAT scores. Uh, so I must have been meant to go to med school because it all did work out pretty easily. Um, and med school was great. It was like a dream come true. I'd, I'd been waiting for so long to get there. Had made some great friends. I love school. So it, it was amazing. And then I got to rotations and it wasn't so amazing because I really didn't like any of them. And I couldn't see myself doing any of them for the next 40 years. Um, Because remember, I was young, I went straight through. So um, I considered emergency medicine for the shift work. um, Because at that point, you know, I'd been in school for so long. And I'm like, well, I have other interests now. So kind of want to learn about some other things. And what I thought, well, that would give me an opportunity in shift work, but I can't stay up all night. I never have been able to. Um, So uh, pathology caught my interest because of some of the, you know, TV shows that were out there and some books. And I thought, oh, great, this is going to work out great. So went straight into pathology residency, um, ended up being a pretty malignant residency. Um, and so I left pretty early in my career. Um, I ended up going back to school and getting a master's in health administration because I have always loved healthcare. And I thought, 
I would love to just combine medicine and business. And I had no business training and um, cause you know, went straight through, <laughs> you know, science classes, straight through med school. So um, that was, that was interesting. And, and I ended up getting a job with a brokerage firm in corporate wellness as their um, director of medical management and wellness. So I was creating and implementing and evaluating wellness programs, corporate wellness programs for small and mid-sized businesses. And that was really awesome. I, um, I, I had no idea that existed years ago and um, I just kind of fell into it. And um, I really loved that job. And um, during that time, I, I kind of grew and grew in confidence and I started telling my story and started talking about the malignant culture in medicine and burnout and all this was just starting to be talked about because it was the early 2000s. And so um, my story got picked up in a number of different places. It never would have now because there are a lot of people doing a lot of really cool things. I'm just one of them. But I was one of the few who was talking about it back then. This is before Facebook, before, I guess, before LinkedIn, all this stuff. Um, so I would write articles and I would speak at conferences and I would give my contact information. And so people, other doctors started to contact me and tell me that my story really resonated with them and um, that they really wanted out or <laughs> they wanted to figure out a different life. And I said, well, you know, this is what I did and this helped me. And this is how I figured out how to do a resume. And, um, and, and it ended up really helping them. These are like triple boarded orthopedic surgeons, trauma surgeons, you know, I mean, people way beyond me. Uh, I'm just this like low, lowly pathologist who left very early in her career. Um, but that, that was very interesting. So my coaching business really evolved from that and very organically. I never thought I'd be a coach. I hated the word coach. Um, I still kind of hate it because of some of the negative connotations, um, the lack of regulation, how anyone can say they're a coach and they, they may not be getting people results and I'm grouped into all those people. And so, um, Anyway, I do a lot, lot of coaching and I've done a lot of coaching over the years, um, but I do other things too. And we can talk about those other things as well. Um, I know this is a podcast and I've just talked for like five minutes straight. So I'm sure the listeners are super bored at this point. So I'm gonna let you ask another question. No, I really try not to interrupt and just, I love just hearing your story and how this all evolved. So I'm like, as you're talking, I was thinking the timeline. So when... When were you medical school training and decided to take the dive out of medicine? Yeah, yep. So I left in 2004. So it was a long time ago. Um, and back then, I really did not know other doctors that were doing other things. Um, I, as I was telling my story and having it published in these various trade journals, um, people found me and invited me to these conferences and that helped me understand there were other doctors doing this as well. And so getting to know them, like Mike McLaughlin is a great example and you may or may not know him. Um, he was very early to leave. He does medical writing. He has Peloton uh, Advantage, I think is his company. Anyway, he's a, he's a dear friend. He's been a friend for a long time. Um, but that those kind of mentors, I didn't know were out there um, and now there are so many people who have left or done something non-traditional. It's great. Um, I mean, I tell people now it's so much easier to figure this all out now than it was because there's so many more options, so many more people who get it, 
all so that. So many more I mean, conferences, like right. your smaller conference. Right, right. I know, I know. I just had that meeting, that conference. I've been wanting to do a conference for so long. Um, I, yeah. Well, tell everybody about it because I think it was absolutely amazing. Well, luckily, that's, it's great. It worked out really, really well, but I had to fail a couple times first before it could really happen. So I've tried to have a conference two or three times and maybe more than that. I've canceled a couple that I started planning with someone, um, other people that ended up not working out or no one signed up or um, speakers weren't kind of coming together. So yeah, it, it's been a long road. And when I finally decided, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try this again. This was going to be my last attempt. If it didn't work out, then that this is it because it's very hard to have an in-person event. Um, so I, you know, I tried to do as much as I could to ensure that it would work out. Um, I have a group of people called founding members. They are physicians who are, um, who helped me behind the scenes. And, um, and I gathered them together last summer and, um, we started talking about things and planning and, um, you know, it's a lot because of them that I was able to do this. So the conference was in Austin and it was held April 6th and 7th. And, um, it was a resounding success. We had 71 physicians there, um, 84 people signed up. So we had a really good show rate and, um, the feedback has been amazing. A hundred percent of people have said that they would recommend this to a friend. A hundred percent said they would come back next year. Um, the small logistics that are going to be part of any first time conference that need to be changed, fixed, modified, um, I've got that information. And so those things will be fixed and we're going to do it again next year. Um, in fact, I'm actually going to have some mini module meetings between now and next year, because there's so much need for some of the practical, tangible aspects of a career transition. And that's what I, that's kind of my focus and my niche. Yeah. It's helping physician colleagues manage the transition, whatever that may be or look like. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So I think it's just so great the work that you're doing. I know that I contacted you personally and I was like, damn it, I got another conference that weekend. But I did yeah. keep tabs on it. I knew several of the physicians who came to Austin. And I think it is just such impactful work that you're doing that if there's anybody who's out there listening, they definitely need to get on your website and, and get to some of these mini modules and definitely, you know, block out for next year to get to the big meeting because you really from what I can see, you're just a great like collector of people. Like you brought them all into one space, like the people who have needs and the people who have answers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was my, my whole deal is offering value um, because there are a lot of conferences out there and I personally feel like I need to get value from something I'm going to pay money to travel to spend time away from my family to, to go to. And so I was very focused on making sure the people who came were going to get results from it. And that, that did happen. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm really happy for that. And that is what I plan to do for everything. Um, people need to get results if they're going to come and 
get training from me and, and they will. So I agree with that because I think that's so much in a, like you were talking like an authentic coach approach. It's not just like getting on the phone and venting to somebody and paying for a friend. No, a true coach is about moving you forward and getting results. And so I'm so glad that you're implementing that all the way through your business model. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like that's what you do too. So I am all about it. I tell people I'm the shoulder to cry on and I'm the kick in the ass when you need it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. we all need both. I mean, we really do. And I, and I'm with you when you're talking about, um, you know, coaching is kind of very unregulated right now. It's not like medical training. You don't have to go through a huge credentialing process to hang out your shingle and say you're a coach, but it's such a huge wide variety. I was even talking to a colleague last week. We had had a call together and it went super good. And she's like, well, I'm going to talk to some other coaches. And I was like, that's fine. If it's not me, I'm okay with this, but this is what you need to be looking for, for a legitimate coach. And that was so nice to be able to like, say like, this is what you need. You need somebody who's going to call you on your bullshit. You need somebody who's going to support you. You need somebody who is action focused, not yeah. who's just like that, like therapist that you go to for 30 years and sit on their couch. Right. Right. Exactly. And that's interesting. You had that conversation because I have similar conversations and I, I tell people, you really should talk to two or three different coaches before you make a decision because we're all different. We all have different uh, kind of approaches and the way we listen and the way we talk with you. And you have to feel comfortable with this person because you're going to be sharing a lot of very intimate thoughts and details. And if you're not comfortable or you just don't feel like they're listening or can't listen um, or whatever the reason, I mean, you, you get a sense, you know, um, so I, I totally agree. And I would rather someone go with someone that they really feel like they click with because then everyone's set up for success. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I talk with people about too. Cause I'm like, it's so much more than the price tag. Yeah. You can go find somebody who is working like bottom of the barrel pricing, but are you going to get the results that you would get with working with somebody who's more seasoned and therefore have higher prices? And yep. I talk about everybody's like different um, differences is special sauce. Like when you go to Taco Bell and you can get like the mild packet or like the super spicy, like you got to know, you got to know what your special sauce is and what you yourself are looking for. And when you find that, when you're talking to somebody, it, it does that flow comes because like you said, in the coaching relationship, you've got to be able to open up all the doors to really get in there and dig if you really want to have the results and the big results that you're, you're gunning for. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great way to, to put it. The different sauces. Cause yeah, some people like mild, some people like extra spicy. Who knows? Yeah. That's what I, and I, I'm, I'm perfectly honest with people. I'm like, if you want sassy, you have found your coach. If not, <laughs> that's fine. We will find you somebody to go with. Well, I love this. And I'm so glad that you're on the podcast and your word today that you submitted was hope. And I love this word. I talk about it all the damn time, but mm -hmm. tell me why you picked hope. Well, I guess because it's so easy in life to feel just so down. Life is hard and it just gets harder as we get older for all the different reasons that are talked about all the time. I mean, not only is your body aging, but you've got tons of responsibility and just so many people counting on you. There's just so much going on that, that can beat us down every day. 
if you don't have something that's going to give you hope or something to look forward to, it, it's very easy to kind of get into that very negative downward spiral cycle. And so that was part of the reason that I chose hope because I really try to have something to look forward to every day and do that for not only the people I'm working with, but my friends and family and those who are around me. Um, it, you know, when you don't have anything else, just having that one thing that gives you a little bit of hope can kind of get you to the next day, no matter how bad that day is. Um, the other reason I chose it is because a lot of people that work with me tell me that I've given them hope. And so there are a lot of different ways that I do that, not only getting them results, but just kind of helping them open their eyes to the different options and thinking outside the box and a lot of things that we don't get any training or practice in as doctors or in medical school or training or anything. Um, those are the things that I help provide people. And so it's, it's just something that I, I feel like is really, it's the one word that describes me if I had to choose one word and you asked me to do that. <laughs> yeah. I love it. You know, one of the, um, best indicating questions when I'm talking to a physician who's really, really down and I'm saying like totally burned out, totally crispy, probably severely depressed is I ask them, do you have hope or the opposite? I'll say, are you hopeless? Like, is there no hope in your life? Because we know, especially in the physician community, some research that's little, that has just come out is that when doctors get to the point that they say, I have no more hope, like their suicide risk skyrockets. It's huge. Like you can see in this study that they extrapolated on that it was like a little hope, nearly no hope, zero hope, and then correlating it to um, suicidal ideation. And so I think it is really important. And I was just reading a couple books. I'm kind of a weirdo as far as like life or death situations. I love reading, reading books of like near death, like extreme situations. And that's the one thing that they talk about like, being a survivor is those that were able to hold on to some sense of hope, be it that they were um, had a faith life or that they were trying to return to a loved one. Um, but that is like the key indicator of survival in extreme circumstances. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You reminded me of I, I like reading stories like that, too. It's I know it is a little morbid in some senses, but it's also kind of hopeful in others, right? Because you get to hear about really bad situations and but triumph within those or resilience within those. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. There, there is a lot of that in, in some of those stories, but yeah. So <laughs> hopefully people feel really hopeful listening to this. Or well, might, and might I think that's so important that. too, like that we tell our stories because then I know when I hear stories, I'm like, if she can do it, I can do it. Right. Like just hearing that you exited medicine, like early 2000s, you're, you're doing all this amazing corporate wellness stuff and you're coaching and your conference. I mean, I'll be honest when I talk to you and when I see what you're doing, I'm like, if she can do it, I can do it. And I mean, <laughs> that is hope that really is good. Good. That's awesome. Cause I truly believe that. I mean, I'm you guys, everyone, well, a lot of people have a lot more going for them than I did. And so, yeah, if I can do it, you can do that. I actually say that to some people. So, um, and, and I'm always trying new different things just to kind of see what it's like, because it is nice to be able to empathize with people as they're looking at different options or different um, career paths. So, 
Yeah, I do a ton of different stuff other than just corporate wellness and coaching. I'm on faculty at a university. I was the entrepreneur in residence a couple of years ago for Trinity University. Um, we own another business, my husband and I. I uh, started another career exploration business for non-physicians, which is definitely not as well known, but it's out there. Um, based on actually our career change dog. So we adopted a dog that had to go through a career change. So, I mean, there's just so many different fun things that you can do in your life. I, I tell people, you don't have to live in misery. I mean, life is too much fun. There's too much out there. But don't you feel like, like when you finally give yourself permission to play and be like, I don't know what this is going to turn into, but I give myself permission to try. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, and I, for me, I am a little bit risk averse. So I've got a little bit more conservative um, perspective to it, which isn't always good, but that's just me. Um, so I'm always like, okay, this, I, I want to play in this space and it seems good, but can I actually make money doing this? <laughs> because, you know, you can actually fall into doing a ton of different things and you're making nothing from it. Not that money's the most important, but we have to live as well. And um, so, yeah, lots, lots of different layers here. It is. And that's one thing that I evaluate with people all the time is I'm like, okay, what's your yardstick? Like, how do you know is this successful? And mm -hmm. I think that is a really great thing to kind of start to set up for yourself because my yardstick before was, I'll be honest, my income, you know, and then once I hit that and I realized that I was probably had the least amount of joy and hope in my life, but I was like making tons of money. I was like, okay, not that yardstick. Like we got to adapt this. And yeah. you're right. Like you have to, you can't just like be a yoga hippie and couch surf across the country. You know, you got to kind of have a plan, even though some people do that. But right, right. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, you have to have some for, sort of currency coming in. But I know like for me personally, because I've kind of done this recently, I've done a lot of different roles and just like trying things out. I've really gone back to like, what, what is bringing joy into my life? Because I've just found coming through my own personal burnout and working with other physicians who are burnout, like that's a lot bigger, a lot bigger. And that's why I get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. It is about finding your joy. Absolutely. And that that's different for everyone. Um, drivers are so different for everyone. So it's really important that you do kind of look at what drives you and brings you that joy and if it's not money whatsoever, then you really, I mean, you have to make a little bit to, to live maybe, unless you're living in a place where you don't. I mean, that's, op that's an option too. There's a lot of people who live in foreign countries or they do things in a certain way that um, income is just not really as absolute for them. So yeah, just identifying that joy is probably the first step and where you want to be in one to three to five years. That's one of my first questions to people. Where do you want to be? And if you're not there, what's the gap and what's going to get you there? And that's a good way to kind of get started because a lot of people just don't even know where to start. It's so overwhelming. You probably find that too. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then I just tell them it's like, if you're going to eat an elephant, it's one bite at a time. Don't look at the whole thing. Like you just got to break it down a little bit by little bit. I love that question too. And another one I add into people is like, what you've tried so far. Mm -hmm. And like many times in our heads, we think we've done like hundreds of things. But when somebody pinned you down, ask you, you're like, 
oh, I've done like five things. And one right. of them included looking on Facebook. You know what right. I mean? And so it's yeah. like, okay, like there's more. Let's keep looking. Maybe you haven't been biting away at this as much as you think, you know, yeah. and just really getting into the, the thoughts um, and, and how that is affecting your perspective and backing that up. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree with that. So good. So good. Well, if everybody is totally digging on everything you're saying, where can they go hang out with you and find out more about you? Yeah. So I'm pretty easy to find. You can Google physicians helping physicians. That is the business that I founded and run. And um, I'll come up. My website will come up. Um, the URL is www.phphysicians with an S on the end. Dot com. Um, the information on the conference is still up there, so you can kind of see what it was like. It's obviously registration is closed because it's over. Um, but within the next month, there'll be new information on, and we're recording this um, at the beginning of May. So if you're listening to this in June, all the, the information on the um, new kind of mini module workshops should be up there at this point. Um, but if you're listening right when it's released, it might not be up there yet. Um, you can also find me on social media. Um, I'm not super active because, well, it just takes a lot of time and I don't have that time. So I am there um, and you can find me, but I don't have millions of followers. Um, I'm not a huge influencer, but I'm there. Um, <laughs> I'm mostly active on LinkedIn. Um, that's my thing, the, the career stuff, of course. Um, I love it because I've been hanging out on LinkedIn so much more. Facebook mm -hmm. is the bane in my existence right now. And I've just gotten over it. I'm like, you know, if I have a couple people that hang out with me on social media and we tell jokes and have a really fun time trading emojis, like that's yeah. the purpose of social media. I'm yeah. with you. I'm yeah. like, I'm over trying to build these huge following because you know what? I just want to hang with the people who want to hang with me. Not that, yeah. that what likes for likes. Yeah. Yeah. It is hard balancing it and juggling it because there's so much good that can come from social media and just meeting people you never would have otherwise met or exploring things you would never have otherwise known about. Um, but there's that dark side too, where it can suck you in and it can get you so focused on followers and likes and comments. And um, that can literally be all you do all day. And for me, there's just more things that I have to do. And so I don't have time. Yeah. <laughs> I like having real conversations like with I you know. today. I know it is. It's so much fun. I love these podcasts and just having conversations with people. I totally agree. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. And I'm going to make sure I send a shit ton of people towards you. <laughs> well, we should definitely figure out a way to hang out more. Um, so we can talk about that after the show, but thank you so much for having me today. I love what you're doing. I love how much influence you have. And um, yeah, this is just great. So thanks for reaching out. Thanks, Michelle. totally see why Michelle chose the word hope. Just talking with her, it makes me so hopeful that if a clinically trained pathologist can break into the world of business and job transitions and starting several businesses, I can do it too. So I hope you're walking away with that as well. Well, in our kick of encouragement today, I wanted to talk a little bit more about transitions because 
Many times I have people that come to me and say, Erin, should I quit medicine? And so I have a list of questions that I like to ask them before they throw in the towel. Because before you tell your boss to suck it, you really do want to think through what is happening. I absolutely understand where this is coming from. I've been there. I actually had my checkbook ready with the money transferred to my checking account to pay back my repayable loan when I went and talked to my hospital CEO within the first couple months of starting practice. Like I was done. And if you want to hear more about my quitting story, go check out episode 53. But I know what it feels like to want to be like Bobby Knight and throw chairs against the wall and tell people to get out of your gym. So here's my help that I want to give you to navigate your situation. Because it's not illogical to think about changing. It's absolutely not. I just want you to come from a good state of mind when you do it. So the first question I ask you is, is this one intolerable day or one intolerable interaction or is this a pattern that is unbearable? I think it's really important to know that because bad things can happen. I mean, we're in a very high stress environment and it can make you want to just throw it all in on one patient encounter. But what's important to see is if that is out of the norm, is is something else going on? Do you need to debrief about a really traumatic incident or had a really huge breakdown of communication that needs to be rectified? Or is this a pattern that's consistently happening? Question two. What about your situation makes you feel stuck? It's a really important thing to dig in and figure out, is it the job or is it how you're doing the job? Because the thing is, you can leave your job where you're at in this situation. However, if it's something more underlying, when you start your next job, it's just going to follow you because you didn't evaluate what about the situation makes you feel stuck. If it's that you feel like you have no control of your schedule because of how an outpatient schedule is set up, well, I'm telling you, going to a different hospital across the state and doing outpatient medicine the same way is going to leave you still feeling stuck in the same way, even though you're working for a different hospital system. So again, the question is, what about your situation makes you feel stuck? Really getting to the root of that and identifying that can then help you change it. You know, it's not the schedule that makes you feel stuck. It's the fact that your sense of freedom feels like it's been taken away that makes you feel stuck. Or at least that's what it did in my situation. Okay, question number three. What ways in the past have you tried to improve your situation? And I want you to list them all out because in our heads, we want to say that we've tried like 100,000 different ways, but really we've probably tried three. And one of them included, like I mentioned before, talking on Facebook. So really sit down and think about how have you tried to improve your situation? There's both internal and external ways for which you can go about this. There's on the micro level, like your environment that directly surrounds you and building up each layer. So think about that. How have you tried to improve your situation? Because maybe you think you've gone to the moon and back and you haven't. Or the opposite. Maybe you think, I really haven't been doing too much. But when you sit down, you're like, oh, yeah, I've been going to committee meetings. I've talked to several people. I've gone to some CMEs to try to understand this problem. So it's important to look at what you've done. Okay, 
Now, question number four, what are my current options? And what I mean about this is I want you to brainstorm big and crazy. This is not just the getting on LinkedIn and seeing what else is available. I really want you to sit back and look and see all the different options that you have. Nothing is off the table. Everything is on there. Everything from going to a different fellowship, doing another residency, working as a checkout girl at the local grocery store, everything. I want everything on the table so that you can get an idea of what is really there. Number five, what other angles can you think of this from? So this is when you need to get outside of your own head because too many times we have conversations between our own two ears that we don't have with other people and we can't see how else to look at different things. So there's a couple different models. One that I really like is the six hats method. It's where you look through with a different perspective at a problem like um, analytic, emotional, problem solving, optimism, from those different perspectives so that you can really look at it thoroughly. Another way to do this is question number six, what resources, people and or information do I need to help me? Here's the thing, ultimately you are the one that are making your decisions. However, there's nothing wrong with reaching out to your trusted team of advisors, which for most people consists of a close friend, spouse, life coach, spiritual advisor, on and on and on, that they can reach out to for help with what's going on with them. Now I caution you, you don't need the validation of other people to make decisions. But it does help to talk to people who have some expertise in some areas that maybe you don't. Or maybe they have some experience where you don't yet have any. And so using those people are important. Here's what I don't want you to do. Don't post in a Facebook group and then get very emotionally attached to the responses that people give you on how to help you. You have to remember when you go on Facebook, people are going to say whatever they want to say. They're not your trusted advisors. Now you can get some good information there, but please don't take it personal. And number seven, knowing all your amazing skills, talents, ability, knowledge, and realizing that anything is possible. If you could do anything, what would you do? I think this is a big one to think about because as you're thinking about a transition, this is the perfect point for which you can craft your life and your practice to be your dream, to be exactly what you've been wanting it to do. Because if you're looking to make some transitions, to leave what you're doing right now and start something new, whatever that looks like, that means that you have the emotional energy and the readiness to make those changes. So I ask you again, if you could do absolutely anything, what would you do? All right, I hope this kick of encouragement has been helpful to you. I love talking about this subject because I've done it myself and I've done it a couple different times. And let me tell you, each and every time that I throw away that old identity or those old thought patterns or that job that was no longer serving me, I come away with something much, much better. So remember, my friends, as always, your life, your calling, your pulse matters. Bye. Bye.